along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kulik, of course. Y'all keep it to the dead. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. New England's own Van Helsink, and with me, the blonde bombshell herself, and Kerrigan. Well, good evening. You're the, you're the keeper of the dead? Yeah, the dead keeper. Or the dead keeper. Mm. Is that like a bread keeper? Hey, that's just an idea. A, just a dead keeper. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well, that's different. Hey, we did the, <laughs> we did the red light seance. As you know, we, we've been doing these red light seances for over four years now. It's a red, it's the VZ Park uh, red light seance circle. And it's, was, it was uh, designed by me to study uh, early spiritualism and physical mediumship. And mm-hmm. it's, it's been going on for four years. And it's, it's been kind of cool. And uh, this last night we uh, we had another session and uh, it was it was pretty good kind of the usual let's put it that way although you know some mm-hmm. are better than others and some are more active some are less uh, but at the very end of it was like uh, okay we've got only a few minutes left and it was time to wrap it up so we'd really like to you to blah 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 and uh, can you move the table and the table started rocking and rolling ah. and thing <laughs> and then, then it just jumped right off the ground and went boom and that was it oh wow grand finale right yeah it was exactly That's cool I thought it was it's really a, cool actually yeah it was a really kind of spooky foggy night last night too it was it was yeah. right yeah because we were we were out we just ran out and got a bite to eat and came home and i'm like really in the just in the time we we're in the you restaurant you were eating and we came out yeah <laughs> it was crazy it was crazy but yeah it was really good night for a red light seance i think Yes, it was. And the funny thing about it, we were talking about uh, wasn't conditions and uh, hauntings and paranormal activity uh, on the international show, which Steve and I were. And, uh, and actually, most of them occur in warm, uh, dry rather than <laughs> uh, damp and spooky. Because <laughs> and now the one belief is because, you know, if it's dry, then it's more static. Uh, and oh, it's, yeah. Anybody that wears pantyhose knows. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. So, How, anyways. Are you, are you saying, trying to tell us something uh, about that? How would you know? What? How would you All know? Right okay. along. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Sure. We're moving right, right along. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I always thought that myself that, it, that uh, you know, the foggy, steamy nights would be better. Yeah. But uh, and they always portray those, of course, in a good horror movie. But uh, now that's not the case, according to statistics. And we all know statistics don't lie, do they? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nate, yeah. Nate, uh, in the Togi chat says uh, he was he was waiting to see Large March. Large March. Large March. You know, 
Pee-wee's no. Big Adventure, right? Who? She was a ghost, right? Oh, yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yeah. That's Never seen that movie. That, uh, why would I watch that? That was Pee-wee Herman. I don't know. The guy that got just exposing himself in the theater. <laughs> well, let's not, yeah, let's not go down that road. Whatever. Well, you brought it up, not me. I was just I talking was about just... the That's all. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Moving right along. I should get into the chat room, too, by the way. I just haven't been. Yes. John, but, uh, noticed uh, your absence. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we have a live show coming up at the uh, end of the month. We do. A live, live video ahead. show. Yeah. A live video show, finally, after two-month hiatus. Sorry, folks. No comment. Mostly my fault. Sorry. Mostly? Kind of. November I like wasn't that. My Mostly fault. my fault. November wasn't my fault. Uh, you're the one that brought it up, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yep. So, new show. Yeah. New show coming up on the 30th. You and see it's it not just a new show, but it's also the... <gasps> yes. Our five-year anniversary on EB Cam. What? What? What are you talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What are we talking about? Oh, I see. Uh, We're going to talk about all our uh, ghostly experiences and big adventures over the year. And we started making a list of some of the the amazing things we've done. And uh, it's... Oh, we do have Kevin on. Okay. Yes, we do. Oh. Pay attention. Well, well, you know what it is? I was looking at my my Skype thingy, and it was up. You know how you got to scroll it down because you get behind in the conversation? Well, I was behind in the conversation. Okay. I'm sorry. So I apologize anyway. All right. So, uh, yeah. So tune in on the 30th. Uh, It will be a video broadcast. And if you miss it, of course, you can catch it on demand. And... uh, that's going to be on uh, the 30th, and today we have a guest, so let's bring him on. Here's oh. someone uh, – <laughs> I was speaking with uh, Jeff Belanger, and he told me about this gentleman he, who he had on his show 30-odd minutes before and then uh, did a new uh, interview with him. And he had this book called New England Nightmares, and he gave it a, a lot of uh, – True Tales of the Strange and Gothic. And he gave it a, a really good plug. And I was so intrigued by the book that I quickly got onto my computer and typed my little hands in and, and typed this name, Kevin McQueen. And I got a hold of this young gentleman and got a copy of the book and got him on the show. So without further ado, let me introduce, introduce to you our guest tonight. He is an author of a whole crap load of books. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he is none other than Stephen. Nope, Kevin. No. Kevin. Well, you know, I was so close. Kevin McQueen. You know, Stephen is just Kevin without the S and the T. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, you there? Yes, I'm here. You'd be Hi, amazed Kevin. how often I get called Steve McQueen. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe I had that uh, yeah. slip. Yeah. So, Kevin, so, me, I, I, he was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, he patented himself after me. I don't know if you knew that, but uh. <laughs> he, he modeled his life after me, and I, I thought that was you know, a nice tribute, but mm-hmm. uh, what can I say? But anyways, uh, the book is, is, is really cool, and uh, I, I 
pick it up and I can't put it down because, first of all, it, it's great reading because you can just open the page anywhere or you can read it from beginning to thing. It's all little stories, and they are true, Kevin? Yes, they are. Or at least, you know, they're documented as being true in old newspapers. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing. Uh, and I was reading your biography uh, on your website, and you were saying your publish, the publisher wouldn't even put some of the stories in there. So if I, I can't even imagine the ones that weren't in there, because the ones that are in there are, are pretty damn cool. Um, Thank I you. I appreciate it. it. They, they are. It, it must have been fun to, to compile them and, and to do this book. Well, um, I always enjoy doing the research as much as the writing, so I'm glad that that comes across. Oh, it does. It does very much so. And uh, you, what, you know, how, why did you write the book? I guess that's the, the first question is what compelled you to write a book and, and, and the other series of your books as well? Well, they're just the kind of stories that I've had a lifelong interest in. And I noticed that a lot of books of this nature, they just keep telling the same stories over and over because they keep copying from each other. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write books with original research with stories that weren't already extremely well-known. And the best way to do that is to do your own research through the old newspapers and other archives. Mm-hmm. And oh, I've that's... been doing a series of regional books through various publishers, uh, mostly lately Indiana University Press. So uh, in the last couple of years, I had one that was all California stories and one that was all Midwestern stories, and now New England and Northern states. And next year will be a book about Western states. So oh, that's awesome. you're in Indiana? Uh, or where are you exactly? Oh, I'm in Kentucky. Kentucky. All right, Kentucky. So you're in Kentucky. So uh, you say you go through the, the – how do you get all these stories, if they're like from New England or California – well, they're from old Louisville Courier Journal, mostly. I, I have had a hobby for a decade or so where I go through the old newspapers on microfilm, especially the Courier Journal, and I just make notes of which stories sound like they might be good to write about. And because they covered stories from all over the United States, I have stories from every region. Oh, oh that's, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Great uh, to me, that, that's, I mean... That's the coolest thing is when you actually go in into a library or a newspaper and uh, you go and see the physical stuff. Which to me is you go, now it's it's the internet has just spoiled us and and it, the internet also, like Kev said, is giving us the same old stuff over and over again. And some of that stuff, believe it or not, is not right. Really, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I find the internet papers they're just they're not very good. They're they're good if you know exactly what you're looking for, but most of the stories that I found were found by accident just by going through daily papers page by page. Wow. So I have to ask you, you can't be married, right? Oh, I am. Fairly <laughs> recently. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> Why I like, can't he be married? Because he doesn't spend all his time going through Michael Fish, and it's like his wife said, like, uh, you know, why don't you go read some newspapers in the library or something? <laughs> Just trying well, to get him out that, of the That's house, really quite true. I would sit there for about eight hours a pop or longer if I could because I really enjoy doing that. But, you know, you also have to have not really much of a life if you're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, everybody, you know, obviously she understands his passion, right? Right. Sort of like you, you know. in cemetery, oh, yeah. Dan, right? That's right. Yeah, Anne's, Anne's a big taphophile. He, he does put up with it. He does put up with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's yeah, tolerant of it. Mm-hmm. You broke up us on a, on a little bit on us, Anne, so I just want to let you know. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Anne is a, a avid tapophile and, and she goes first to all these cemeteries. She just doesn't go on the internet and look at them. She physically visits <laughs> each of these cemeteries and drags whoever she can find, sometimes me. That's right. Uh, to go to each one of these graves, and she documents each one, and uh, she writes uh, her own little uh, Facebook page, which is what in Cemetery Tripping okay. on Facebook. There you go. Well, so there's nothing, there's nothing I'm sure Kevin understands like going and actually, you know, being hands-on. I wish I could do that all the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Just, I think uh, it's great that somebody's doing that. Yeah. It's a great uh, – it, it, you learn about history. You learn about uh, the history of carving and every, all different avenues of it. Oh, definitely. Like symbolism. You, you learn so symbolism. much in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Just uh, You learn about history. You learn about sculpture. Yep. Yeah, if it's absolutely. a very well-kept place, you learn a little something about botany from the trees and the plants. Oh, absolutely. There's so many rural cemeteries that are, they're garden cemeteries. So they have a lot of, uh, a lot of nature going on <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. And that's the You're really lucky thing you'll find a haunted cemetery. That's the best thing of all. I'm sorry, a, a what? A haunted cemetery. Oh, yes, that would be, that's always, that's a, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. I haven't. I really haven't found one yet. But really, keep looking. Keep looking. Are, are you not aware of it? Or I'm not aware of it because yeah. I'm thick as a brick. What can I say? And, and that's one of the cool things about Kevin's book is there are a lot of epitaphs in it as well. Ooh, really? Yeah, I've always been. Uh, even as a really small child, I was very interested in that. I don't mm-hmm. even really know why, but I've been collecting them for years. Oh, that's awesome. And New England has the very best ones. Yes, they do. I'm yes. glad you admit that. Absolutely agree. <laughs> I wish I could just take a trip up there and do nothing but look through the cemeteries. Oh, well, it, if you ever come up here, uh, yeah. I'm sure we could arrange that. <laughs> Show you around for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. They do. New. I mean, New England has some of the the oldest cemeteries in the country. Um, this is kind of where it all started. You know, and What's it? Uh, the original, huh? you know, the Mayflower, the Pilgrims, things like yeah, that. Yeah, what about Roanoke? Roanoke Island and, you know, Florida and Yeah, California. Florida has some very old ones, too, but yeah. they're different from what we have here. Yeah. They're a, a whole nother animal. But I'm just saying, you know, this is, this is kind of where sort of it droll became. sense of humor that permeates the region. Mm-hmm. Very distinctive. Do you remember any of them, uh, any of those epitaphs offhand? I, I, or you can check if you, there is a particular one that you like in the book that you that you could share with us. There were so many of them. I and know, even that's then, the I only included a few. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, I, I was I was talking to Ian about the uh, the book today, just earlier in the day, and I read her one of the ones about from Maine, actually, and it was, and of course, that's the only bad thing about this book is kind of like my Ghost of Day book is is not having like a table of contents or something that can no, drive you to the right place. But uh, I remember one of them about the guy named Wood, who was... Oh, right. <laughs> Beza Wood. I actually think you can find a picture of that on Facebook. Uh, not Facebook, really? I'm sorry. Uh, find a grave. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, Most likely. Go, yeah. yeah. Find a grave. So... I know you did say it to me earlier today. You you were reading it from somewhere, but I can't. I couldn't. From the book, I was trying mm-hmm. to find it uh, mm-hmm. as we were speaking. But like I said, there's there's so many stories in the book. It's it's uh, oh, amazing. I but, think I remember that one. So uh, his name it, was Beza Wood, and he died in Maine. If I remember right, it was 1847, something along those lines. And his stone says, "Here lies one wood encased in wood, one wood within another." The outer wood is very good. We cannot praise the other. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's a great one. Wow. Kind of astonishing how often these epitaphs have rather insulting, sliding remarks about the dearly departed. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of them are. Some of them are. What One of the more famous ones that I've seen up here, especially in a Puritan era cemetery is remember me as you pass by as you are now so once was i as i am now so you must be prepare for death and follow me that's, that's... a really famous one mm-hmm. yeah that one's been widely imitated yes it has <laughs> right but i see i see it a lot in new england so well, they they do copy them. Uh, they do steal there's no there's plagiarism in, in uh no of really. course there is of course there is. <laughs> so what? Um, so... Oh, well, I have to. There's one that I have to just quickly mention, and, and okay. it's kind of appreciate. I appreciate it. And it's not. I'm not sure if it's in your book, but it's uh, in, a, in another one. I saw that uh, roughly, it was from a woman who said she was married to this guy for near 50 years, but now she's in a better place. <laughs> oh yes, that is in the book. I think the idea, uh, what made that one funny was she was trying to be sentimental. And she came up with two what you might call tombstone cliches, but put them side by side and they came up with a whole new meaning. Oh, yeah. It was, and I think it was in Vermont, but it said, um, in perfect peace until we meet again. Ah. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely, yeah, kind of, yeah, uh, backhanded compliment. Not really a compliment. Really? I yeah. <laughs> an accidental compliment that turned into an insult. I think. Right. Oh my God, that's funny. So the the one I I liked because it was uh, uh, Christmas and they had the. Uh, famous Christmas story on TV and was the boys play in Massachusetts in July 28th, 1912, 12 year old Harry T. Lawrence was proud of his brand new spanking 22 caliber rifle. Lewis D age 11 sneered at 
Henry's pride possession, saying, that gun is no good. He added, I bet it couldn't kill anything. Give me written permission and I'll shoot you and I'll show you whether it's any good, Henry said. <laughs> <laughs> Smart guy at the So uh, Lewis scrawled uh, on a piece of paper and guess what happened? <laughs> he shot him and he died. Wow. Did you you see a lot of that in the old newspapers, just uh, really bizarre deaths, kind of like you now see in the Darwin Awards online. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, can you give us a couple examples, uh, Kevin? People do lots of stupid things, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Let me try to think off the top of my head. There are so many. Uh, you could write an entire book simply on bizarre ways people have died or killed themselves. <laughs> right. I mean, I've got a fellow in the just... book who drove a chisel through his head. Oh yeah. my God! Uh, and another guy in New York City, I think he really, really, really wanted to die. So he aimed a rifle and fixed it so it would aim at his face if he mm -hmm. pulled a string. But then, just to make sure, he also had a revolver in each hand and arranged oh. it so all three guns would go off at once. But it turned out they all three missed him. So he just <laughs> got a razor and cut his throat instead. Oh, my God. That's horrible. <laughs> Rather horrifying stuff, but I try to write it in a way that it's actually kind of funny. Oh, wow. Uh, I like the guy that commits suicide by choking on his rosary beads. Swallowing oh, his rosary yeah, beads. that one. The oh. guy swallowed a spoon and choked on a spoon. Hmm. Uh, it's really a good book. You've got to catch up. There's so many stories other than just uh, uh, cemetery epitaphs and ways of death. There's, there's so many strange things that it, my my wife couldn't put it down. Is is is. Uh, Thank you. That's the best compliment you can get if you write something. Well, yeah. you're you're going to have to bring it down and loan it to me. Yeah, that's then. Great. What? No. Uh, you going to make me order my own? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's too precious to loan out. Brutes, <laughs> Brutes of Husbands in, in New Jersey. You like this one, Ann. Okay. In January 1890, a man went on trial in Newark for beating his wife. Uh, the jury reached the singular verdict, not guilty, but we don't want him to do it again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So you get all these from from newspaper clippings? Virtually all of them. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. And, and as a good author, he has the sources in the back of his book as a, any good yeah, author. Yeah, people does. always want to know, so where did you find that anyway? So I always <laughs> try to make sure they can tell. Because <laughs> some of it's so bizarre and almost unbelievable that if you don't give a source, people just aren't going to believe that it really happened. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So you have New England nightmares. Now, I was looking at your website, and I had counted uh, 14 books, but then I saw... Are you saw sure he's New England. <laughs> <laughs> you have New England books. nightmares, and then... Oh, it's actually 17 books. I need to update the website. 17? The last three books I haven't even mentioned on it. Oh, oh right. Wow. So, okay. yeah, that's what it is. It's really 17. That's what I that's what I thought because I was trying to count because I saw the news and updates section, and you have Weird Wild West, um, and then you have 
New England uh, nightmares. And then what's – there's one I'm missing, I think. Oh, Creepy California. Ah, California. And all of those are from Indiana University Press. Wow. That's amazing. I used to be a lot better. When a, a book would come out, I'd do a synopsis and put it on the website. But I guess I've been lazy the last couple of years, so I post <laughs> news about the books coming out and links and that sort of thing, but I keep forgetting <laughs> to put up a synopsis. <laughs> you need a publicist. That's what you need. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'd love to have a real publicist. <laughs> Facebook that... is my publicist. <laughs> you know, I wrote three books, and I thought I was doing good, but uh, this guy's beating the crap out of me. Very prolific. Oh, I'll have to read yours. <laughs> yeah, my, mine are based on uh, my own personal experience as a paranormal investigator with um, my uh, partner, uh, Maureen Wood, who is a trans medium. And it's, it's basically like you're a fly in a wall on our investigations. It's all... Uh, written in our voice, so it's uh, the font changes between us, and uh, you hear our thoughts and see what we see and hear what we hear and so forth. So it's kind of cool. The last one came out in, uh, just in October 1st, and that was good. And then we have another book uh, that was Ghost Chronicles, that was original, and then more Ghost Chronicles. And then and in between, we did Ghost a Day, which was 365 ghost stories from around the world, and each one was associated right. with a particular day. So that was a fun Are book. they available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble? Uh, they are. Isn't that nice how we're pu pushing my books instead of yours? <laughs> oh, well, we'll just push each other's books. I'll definitely go look for yours. Mm -hmm. No, thanks. <laughs> the, um, uh, I mean, is there a favorite book that you have of all of these books? Is there one particular? I mean, I have the the nightmares, so I, I absolutely love it. But well, I, I gotta... one of them, one book I have that I really, really like. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that I've been doing regional books, and the first one, other than books about Kentucky and Indiana, is a book about the South, and it came from Pelican Publishing, and it's called Gothic and Strange, True Tales of the South, and I really think it's one of my best ones. I always tell people, if you read that one and you like it, then you'll like all of them. It's a lot like New England Nightmares, only it's all Southern stories. Nice. Oh, cool. Ron, we have tunes. We do? Oh, yes, God, we I'm do. Falling asleep. Anyways, we've got to take break. a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ian Kolick and Ron Kolick, well, whoever it is. Uh, and our guest <laughs> is Kevin McQueen. We'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, Get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. 
The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, Mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest this evening. Ann Kerrigan. <laughs> I said Ann Kerrigan. <laughs> I our know, guest I this evening, sure. Kevin McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mess tonight, Ron. I am. I really oh, am. Oh, my goodness. And I haven't even been drinking, so that's the sad part I, about it. It is very sad, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so back to our guest, uh, so, is there a particular story that really catches your fancy, Kevin? And it doesn't have to be in Nightmares and England. It could be in any of the books that really you read it and you say, wow, I can't believe it. Really, well, I know most of them you can't believe, but this one is, is really pushed your limits. Uh, there are quite a few like that. I think a lot of the true murder stories really, really. Uh, it's just sort of hard to explain. They're so bizarre. They're almost like fiction, and yet they're true. Do you want to give us an example of, of one of these? Well, one of the best is the Lizzie Borden story. I, I've never written about Lizzie Borden because so many other people already have, but that's a good example of a story that uh, you'd never write a novel like that because everyone would say, well, that's, that could never happen. Mm -hmm. Of course, real life doesn't have to follow any rules, and real life is often a lot stranger than anything that authors of fiction could come up with. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, you know, it's intriguing you mentioned Lizzie Borden because um, that's in Ann and I's neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. and, oh, forever. Um, yeah, we, we, we've been there several times to, doing broadcasts and investigations and so forth. But uh, there are a million people that have investigated, and there are a million stories. And, and that's the intriguing thing about it is nobody knows the true story. I mean, we know the facts of what happened, uh, the historical facts of the trial and all that stuff, the acquittal and, and so forth, and the murder themselves, the murder pictures. But we really don't know who killed them or, and even why, who, why they were killed uh, in, in reality. Although yeah. I understand, wait a minute. Although I understand <laughs> that uh, I believe it's the Travel Channel has sent their a scientific guy there, and he's going to solve the murder uh, on TV. So there you go. Really? Oh, that would be wonderful. Wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if I they wish haven't him done luck. It now, I, I can't see it happening. I remember a few years ago they sent an uh, investigative team into the house and they had luminol, the chemical that makes yep. blood uh, glow, even if it's you know, decades and decades old. So it was really, really creepy because they kept finding all this evidence of blood spatter and blood spills. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, even when I was there, well, some of that's 
probably my blood too, but because uh, <laughs> my first investigation there, when it was time for me to leave, I, I said goodbye to the proprietor and I started heading out to my car. I got to my car, my my finger was cut and bleeding, so I went back in <laughs> and uh, you, they put a bandaid on it and uh, there I went and headed out to the car again and I Time I come back to the car, I had another cut on my hand. It was bleeding, so I had to back in again. What were you doing? I, I know, huh? So some of that was my blood, probably. Oh, Lizzie was hacking up your fingers. Yeah, it's like every woman taking, sucking yeah. the only drop of blood out of me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, as far as Luminol, uh, in our new book, Most uh, Mogo's Chronicles, we talk about the Daniel Lady Farm in Gettysburg, and that was used as a field hospital. And uh, in, uh, I forget the, the date on it, but there were two uh, detectives from New York that were went to the uh, farm to test the blood that was there with luminol, and the results were used in a uh, murder case because the judge, uh, they had to prove that you could still even after so many years, be able to determine if the blood was, you know, if it was blood and so forth and all that. So uh, it was admitted as evidence in, in the case. So uh, it's there's a lot of, you know, truth is strange in the fiction. Just think how much blood they turn up in a field hospital, too. No. Uh, well, and I think part of the problem is, I mean, how do you know when that blood was there? You know, right. you can go and spray luminol. It's mm-hmm. a great, great thought, but true story. Any number of things could have happened, right? In that dwelling. Yeah, it's, true. it's amazing. It'll show you where it was, but it doesn't really mm-hmm. tell you when it right. was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you can actually see the blood, bloody handprints still on the floor after all these years, which oh. is what eighteen sixties, nineteen sixties, a hundred and what, almost 150 years? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. That's crazy. Mm. So, Stephen, you're also, so you're a professor as well? Well, I'm a um, not a full professor. I'm a senior lecturer. Okay. All Good right. Oh, I, just, I get I called know. professor a lot. I I usually don't correct it. I just go along with it. Well, you know what it is. It's it's uh, they don't have to pay you a full amount of money if you're not a professor. <laughs> I know I can be. Well, and that's probably quite true. Yeah. Well, I know it's true. Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> Definitely true. So you're an instructor. At, at yeah, the, uh, a senior lecturer it sounds senior better than lecturer. instructor. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't don't downplay it now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, what do you uh, lecture on? In- oh, English, literature, composition. Mm-hmm. Really? That's World literature and composition. Hmm. Okay. Do you do you so do you do you um, work with your novels at all in in your in your lectures with the students? Oh, no. No, uh, I usually don't even bring up my stuff in class. Oh, okay. Students are usually surprised to find it out. They'll Google my name or something, Uh and they'll find out all this. I don't know. I'm just kind of quiet about it. 
I'm always sort of afraid they'll say, oh, all right, I'll just go buy one of his books and I'll pass the class. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> I always think they'd be very interested in in what you've written, but that's just me. <laughs> I guess so. I, I think the intriguing part in, in how you could use it in, in your class, of course, is uh, some of these are uh, newspaper articles from a, a long time ago. You can see how the actual the English has changed from uh, contemporary times till then. So uh, uh, that's uh, is is definitely uh, something you could bring up. That's true. Also, um, I guess you'd call it creative nonfiction because it's true, but you tell it in a creative way. So it isn't mm-hmm. really like writing novels or fiction, but in a way it's more challenging and even stranger than actually coming up with a fictional story. I would agree with that. Or at least I think so. I'm, I don't think I could write fiction if I had to. <laughs> I just yeah, don't have a- the imagination for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't need them. But if you, you give me a real books. incident that took place, then I'll find a way of writing it up. Yeah, I mean that's what I was going to say. You don't need fiction with with the books you're writing because the stories are so strange in themselves. It's you couldn't make that stuff up. <laughs> yeah, um, like I say, real life doesn't have to follow rules, but fiction does. <laughs> that's true. So you started all this writing back, um, I'm just going, looking at your published works, and it was way back in 2001, really? with, a, with a book about Cassius Clay. Yes, he was an emancipationist mm-hmm. who Not lived Muhammad in Richmond, Ali. or near Richmond, Kentucky. Of course, mm-hmm. later, Muhammad Ali, his real name was Cassius Clay, so a lot of people think the book is about him. <laughs> I bet they're in for a surprise. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, he was named after this Cassius Clay. Uh, mm-hmm. He used to be a tour guide at his home, and we very often had people turn up, and they actually thought Muhammad Ali lived there. Oh, my God. That's funny. It was so sad to disappoint them and tell them, no, uh, I'm not really sure where he lives, but it's definitely not here. <laughs> well, that it's, and I noticed, unfortunately, it's out of print, but I, it just uh, it caught my eye because of the name. You know. I think that's the only book of mine that's now out of print, although it is available as an e-book. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So good at that yeah. one. I looked on Amazon once, and I found a hardbound copy of it, and they were selling it for, I forget how much. It was, I think, seven or $800 or something. <gasps> Holy crap. I know. I, yeah, the, the poor <laughs> authors never get that, by the way. <laughs> that sucks. I can't imagine anyone would actually pay that for it, but apparently someone out there thinks they would. Very flattering. That's mm-hmm. funny. So I, I, I did notice in the, the write-up about it and about um, White Hall, which was his mansion. So yeah. that was haunted? Well, yes. Yes, it is. In fact, in the book, I actually have a few ghost stories about the house. But the book went out of print, and I later wrote another book, which actually is one of my best sellers, called Kentucky Book of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And it has a chapter all about Cassius Clay, Whitehall, and the ghosts there, including a few personal experiences. Oh, nice. What? Yeah, because you were a tour guide there, so. Yeah, I was a guide there for several years. Mm -hmm. Really? And uh, 
a lot of people saw and heard things there, and not just the people who worked there, but a lot of the tourists did. And mm. Some of the most interesting things happened there because, uh, as I like to say, if one person sees a ghost, you can always discount it, saying, well, they have a good imagination, they thought they saw something, they were hungover. <laughs> but when two or three people or more see it at the same time, that's a lot harder to explain. And that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that happened pretty often at Whitehall. Mm. What, was, what were they seeing? Well, there was one occasion, uh, and this was a personal friend of mine, he was giving a tour to a couple of people, and they all three heard the sound of a of a music box. It was unmistakable. Both of the women said, we hear a music box. And he said, well, I hear it too, and there are no music boxes in the house. Wow. That's unusual. And, uh, there was one occasion in the late 70s, I think, it's still kind of notorious, around the house where the guide and everybody on the tour saw a woman walk through a guide rope and go into a closet in one of the bedrooms on the second floor. (laughs) Awesome. Do they have an idea about who who the apparition might have been? Well, they've seen Cassius Clay himself. They've seen a boy who appears to be in his uh, early teens. Mm -hmm. And they've seen a woman who's veiled. They're not really sure who that is. Oh, wow. That sounds like a neat place. Did What did you experience your own self? Well, uh, I never really saw anything, which was no. very disappointing to me. I was really pleased to work there because I really like history. Mm-hmm. But one reason I worked there as an ulterior motive was I kept thinking, I've always wanted to see a ghost, and here's the place to do it. <laughs> Because so many people have, and I never really saw a ghost, but I definitely heard things. Mm-hmm. And the guides there, whenever we heard something, we would always try to check it out. We mm-hmm. were always looking for a natural explanation, and sometimes we did find one, but often we didn't. Nice. And on the one occasion that stands out to me the most, uh, it's sort of a house with split-level rooms. It was a really old house from 1798 built by Clay's father, And then Clay himself and his wife added on to the house in the 1860s. So there are split-level rooms between the new section and the old section. Ah, And one day we had a very large group coming to the house. And what we would do is we would put a guide on each floor so one person didn't have to take an immense crowd all through the place. Mm -hmm. And on this particular day, my job was to show the third floor. So I was standing in a split-level room between the second and third floors. And while I was standing there, I, had not, I was not thinking about ghosts at all. I was standing there trying to remember song lyrics. And I heard the sound of a woman talking in a very, very faint, very low kind of way, coming from a room on the third floor we call the history room. Mm-hmm. It was uh, very distinct. It's just, you know, a very low kind of tone that you give to tourists before they uh, all go back downstairs. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the crowd was coming into the house, and uh, I thought that the voice coming from the room was one of the other guides taking a group through. So I thought, finally, well, I better go tell her that she needs to take her group downstairs because soon the place is just going to be too crowded. And I went to the history room, and it was completely empty. (laughs) 
that was wow. really eerie. That was yeah. the first time that I really thought something is going on here. Mm-hmm. And I should add that where I was standing, it was the only way down. So there's no way they could have walked past me without mm-hmm. me seeing them. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Well, there was another time that uh, one of the maintenance men and I were sitting in what was called the powder room, and we heard this terrible racket coming from beneath us. It was a noise coming up from the vent, and it sounded like someone banging a piece of metal on another piece of metal. And we thought someone's got in the house, and we both ran downstairs immediately, and the room under the powder room was completely empty. Mm. No people, no animals, no anything. So I don't know what that was. That's cool. So in, in all your research, did you ever currently cross any stories about mediums or psychics? There are a few. I wish I had more. Mm-hmm. I know that, uh, you know, because I read, and read your, uh, your little synopsis, and, and you, you evidently wrote something about Edgar Casey, who, of course, is quite famous about his uh, being able to predict things. And uh, it says in here, judging from the amount of mail I got, uh, this was the most controversial thing I ever wrote. What did you write? (laughs) Well, my argument was that he wasn't really, that he thought he was a psychic, but that he made all these, basically whenever you hear that he got something right, they're always overlooking the hundreds of things that he didn't get right. (laughs) <laughs> but a lot of people were kind of upset by that chapter. Of course, that doesn't mean that there, there's no such thing. I just think maybe his reputation is perhaps higher than it should be. And I wrote about him because he was actually, he's from Kentucky. I know, that's just, that's pretty cool, actually. But I do have some other stories about uh, psychics that are... A little creepier, I think. Uh, Again, in Kentucky Book of the Dead, there's a chapter about a house, not Whitehall, but another house in Richmond. And it definitely features a woman who told the owners various things that came true. And it's a really eerie story. Most of the ghost stories I do, I think, are kind of funny. I sort of aim for laughs, but that one was a little bit on the disturbing side. (laughs) Why did you find it disturbing? Well, uh, the story is the man who bought the house, and I actually interviewed him and his wife twice, once back when I was really young and then again for the book. Uh, He woke up in the middle of the night very soon after they purchased the place, and he saw a woman standing at the foot of the bed, and she was really spooky looking. She was wearing widow's weeds, and she had uh, puffy cheeks and sunken in eyes. And when she spoke, she had a very deep, hoarse voice. And she was muttering something about going to a funeral. Mm. And he had never believed in ghosts in his whole life, but the figure disappeared. His wife did not see it. Now, this is what I think makes this particular story very interesting was... Several weeks later, he was in the attic looking through a cubbyhole, and he found a painting of the same woman he'd seen by the bed. Oh, my God. And uh, she was so scary looking. In the book, I actually, I had a picture. I took a picture of the painting, and I reproduced it in the book, so you could see exactly what she looked like. (laughs) And 
what I felt was interesting was that if he found the painting first and then he saw the ghost, well, then everyone would say, sure, you saw this really frightening face and it stuck in your subconscious and you had this awful dream that she was standing by the bed, but actually he saw the ghost before he found the painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And his wife confirmed for me that he was telling, she, he, he was telling her all about this figure before he found the painting. Mm-hmm. Wow. And where the psychic comes in, they had no idea who the woman was, so they consulted a psychic, I believe, over in Lexington, who gave them the identity of the woman and uh, told them they would very soon have a child, which they'd been trying to for years and couldn't, and then, sure enough, they did. Wow. Hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> and so it was a you, eerie story. No one, yeah. uh, only only men could see her. She only appeared before men. Oh. Uh, only once did she ever appeal, appear before a female guest. And again, they had a party once, and everyone in the house saw the drawers of a cupboard opening and closing and opening and closing. Wow. So it's just one of those things where everybody saw it, not just one person. Mm-hmm. So when, how do you chose what to write about as far as your books because they're, they're like you said they're all over the place they're like from louisville kentucky new england california the west uh do you collect stories and then when you have enough to do a book is is that pretty much how you do them oh yeah that's exactly it wow several years ago um history press now called arcadia they wanted an indiana book and so all i had to do is go through my my files that look for Indiana stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Oh. So evidently you must have a large office. <laughs> well, the neat thing, well, you know, I have to make prints of the articles once I decide to do a story. Right. But most of the research is actually just in a computer. I would sit there with a laptop and I would take notes on stories as they would unfold and write down the dates and the page numbers. So then if oh. I needed Indiana stories, all I had to do is print out those particular stories. Oh, that's, that's a great that's idea. That's clever. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. clever. Just hope you don't lose a computer, that's all. Mm-hmm. Well, I still like have somebody, files of like loaded, loaded with old newspaper clippings. Wow. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the intriguing thing is is some of these newspapers. I mean, we 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 look at some of the stories that are in the, in the news today, and and you don't find these ones that that they had back in those days. I mean, I, I know in Lowell there was a newspaper clipping about uh, this window where a uh, figure would appear in the window, and that was news that was carried all ended up being carried all over the country and this was back i believe in the 1800s and uh it was big news and you know you wouldn't you wouldn't even get a blip in the paper nowadays right yeah yeah that's that's true i've noticed a lot of articles like that in the old papers yeah it's uh, you know i really applaud you for what you do because you you're not only producing great reading material for us, but you're also preserving history as well, because, you know, a lot of these stories, like you said, they're just on microfilm in some obscure library or, or a newspaper, or, uh, but now they're out there for, you know, the masses to read. Well, thanks. I'm glad that you said that. I'm really, really fond of history as much as literature. And uh, I've always
always contended, even though these stories are kind of uh, spooky or amusing, they're also historical because these are events that happened at certain times and places, and they actually tell us something about past cultures, what people thought and how they perceived things. Absolutely. So they're sort of history lessons without actually intending to be history lessons. <laughs> that's that's one of the things uh, I love about what I do as far as uh, paranormal investigating is to able to research the history in all these buildings and uh, and and the paranormal experience too is a, is a personal experience that is a witness. Uh, testimony of a particular time period. So it, 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 you you mesh the two together, and you're preserving the history of the place. You're preserving uh, eyewitness testimony, and and uh, perhaps uh, you know trying to solve a a mystery. Oh yeah, I definitely think so too. I always try to get specific names and places and dates as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Now the the only the bad thing about that, of course, is is when you have uh, uh, a place with a particular story, then a lot of people will jump to the conclusion that that this is the you know for instance we call it famous ghost syndrome. If someone has died in that house, then and the house uh, has uh, some type of activity, uh, people will jump to conclusion because that person died in that house. Uh, it is uh, that person, but we all we know that it's not necessarily true uh, to investigating. That was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, and we've got to wrap it up. Uh, Kevin, you've been an awesome guest with us, and thank you so much thank for you. sharing your evening with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So if someone wanted to get some of your books, where should they go? Well, they're online at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble. You can get them straight from the publishers. Uh, I have two Facebook pages. One is Kevin McQueen. I should point out my name is spelled K-E-V-E-N, in case mm-hmm. anyone's looking for it online. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin McQueen on Facebook is an author page, and then there's Kevin D. McQueen, which is what I call my weird comedy page. <laughs> but if they go there, they will find updates, they'll find links. They also have a website called KevinMcQueenStories.com where they can also oh. find links to get all the books. That's, Great. That's awesome. And uh, you do have a sense of humor if you you look at your work and, and even oh, your, your websites. It, it, it shows through. So, uh, Thank you. I you appreciate know. it. I sometimes well, wonder how it comes across. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you need it. What you're doing, uh, teaching English is not an easy thing. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. If you're going to teach at all, you better have a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, once again, Kevin, anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye to you? No, I can't think of anything, but thanks very much, and I hope everyone had a good time listening. Oh, yeah, I, I found it intriguing, and uh, you've got to pick up the books, especially now you've really got me interested in the Kentucky book, uh, Kentucky Book of the Dead, so I'm going to track that down as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that one's actually are... gone into a third printing, so nice. it's definitely one of mine that has sold pretty well. Yeah. Excellent. So anyways, there's the tunes, which means we got to go. Uh, so thank you once again, and...
From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.